please join us as we sing of God's steadfast love. I'm sure you can stand if you want. glad that each of you are here and that we can be together gathered as God's people and just celebrating his love for us and his faithfulness in our lives. Our call to worship this morning, you can be seated. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Please bow with me in prayer. God, we exalt you and praise you and thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. May our hearts be soft and open to you and your truths this morning. Amen.
to have our hearts changed by you. You offer us mercy and grace that we are so undeserving of and yet so grateful for. We offer our gifts of money, our worship, and our whole selves to you. Take it and use it for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. Even when our voices don't work the way we want them to, God hears. Thanks for your good singing this morning. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, 
A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Um, if you want to come to the front, that would be great. Um, and I have a little story to tell you. And it involves candy, in case that makes you want to come even more. <laughs> Anyone who wants candy. Um, I have a little treat that I want to share with you today. Would you like a candy? Okay, so it's on this tray, and it's under only one of the bowls. Um, the other bowls have carrots, and I know carrots are good, but um, are candies better? No, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, so, you only have one chance to pick the correct bowl. How would you choose? Any ideas? How are you going to know if you can only have one choice? Is that fair? For those of you who like carrots, you're like, I have nothing to lose. So um, the rest of you are like, hmm. OK, what about? If I let you have a little peek, do you think that would help? Okay. You, are you looking? Um, did anyone see anything underneath the bowl? So which bowl has candy under it? The middle one. Okay. Um, there is a story in the Bible that um, is not candy, but it's pretty exciting, in fact, a little bit more exciting than candy. There is a word called transfiguration. Now, everyone say it together with me, not just the people in the front row. Transfiguration. And now that's a pretty big word. Now, Jesus went up to a mountain, and he took with him a few of his close friends, Peter, James, and John. And while they were up there, Jesus began to shine like the sun, full of light. Can you imagine? If somebody, if a person that you were with started shining, what do you think? If like a person started shining. In fact, this one starts like doing that. Um, and what do you think he would do if a person started shining like that? You'd cover your eyes, yeah? Yeah. And not only did Jesus start shining like a light, there were two people called Moses and Elijah that showed up with him. And somehow the disciples knew who they were, but they were from a long time before from the Old Testament. And it doesn't tell us why they knew who they were, but they knew. So there was three people standing together. And they really didn't know what to do, but they heard God's voice say, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. And those disciples now realized that they were in God's presence. 
and they fell flat on their faces in fear, but Jesus comforted them and encouraged them to get back up. So the disciples got a picture, a little peek, just like you got a little peek at the candies, the disciples got a little peek at who Jesus really was. And then the cover went back on. But do you think that they understood more about who Jesus was? They did. Do you think they were pretty excited? Yeah. They went back down the mountain, and Jesus told them, don't tell anyone else for now. You'll need to wait. But you know what? I bet you they were really excited about that. And we know that later they told people because it's in the Bible, that story. And um, for us, the bowl isn't on there anymore because Jesus has revealed who he is through the scripture. And we know that he went and died for our sins and came back to life, and he's waiting for us. And um, he sent his Holy Spirit, and we know all those things through the Bible. And so that's kind of what the transfiguration is about. It's a little peek about who Jesus was. So you can come up and get a candy. Good morning. There's no children's church today. I can still pray for them, though, can't I? Dear God, thank you for the children of our congregation. Thank you for their parents. Thank you for the wonderful conversations they have and the wonderful questions they ask as well. And Lord, we pray, bless them over the week to come. And bless our service this morning as well. Amen. All right, if you have your bulletin on you, now's the time to pull it out. There's a couple things in there and a couple things that I'm going to be adding on as well. So to begin with, uh, next Wednesday, prayer meeting at the church, 2 p.m. And then at 6.30 p.m., Kids Connect at the church for grades 3 to 6 as well. Uh, going down, uh, Thursday, girls' Bible study will be at Bethany's, and then Sunday school and worship service are next Sunday at 9.45 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. as well. Also next Sunday that I'm very excited for, you probably saw the poster, you're going to see more of them around town. Next Sunday evening uh, is going to be loud music here at the church. So come enjoy a great evening of music, snacks, and community. I, I am looking forward to it. I hope you all are as well. They are a great time, a great night. Come on out. So that's next, uh, that's February 26th in the evening. Next, uh, that's starting the 23rd to the 26th, that's also next weekend, uh, Valley View Bible Camp is doing their Men's Discipleship Weekend. There's still time to check that out. Just visit their website for more information. As far as other announcements go, I do have a couple. Uh, the first one, and this is for anybody that is out there that likes lifting uh, moderately heavy things and has a truck. Uh, Frank Bennett, uh, as we know, passed away a couple weeks ago, and uh, his nieces finally have most of his apartment cleared out, but they do need some help to get those last few big things out into the thrift store. So if anybody has a truck and wants to help lift some things, then on either, I'm thinking Tuesday in the morning, then we can head over there and get it done. Just come talk to me. Otherwise, expect that I will be getting in touch with you big, strong people that have trucks. So, all right. Anything else as far as announcements go? Then on to items of prayer. You'll see there that it is EMC Day of Prayer. 
today, and that meant that what I meant to get for you was a whole pile of printouts that have our missionaries and what they want prayed for, but then my wonderful little girl punted my laptop onto the ground, and I need to figure out something in order to get it to work in certain ways again, which means I didn't get those things printed, but that's okay, because I have a phone and a wonderful reading voice. So I'm not going to read through the entirety of them. Uh, if you got your midweek email, you will have gotten these as well. We're going to be praying this morning for Gary and Cynthia who have come and they've spoken in our church before. We're going to be praying for Travis and Rosie Zacharias as well as for Paul and Lois Thiessen as well as for INP uh, Zabina, I'm not supposed to say their names out loud when we are, because uh, this service will go up online eventually. And so each one of them is uh, either working with the EMC or in an associate missions role that is a part of an EMC church. Gary and Cynthia have been working for many a year with Missions Aviation. They're with Moody uh, aviation now, and the things that they want particularly prayed for is that the Spirit would show where it is that they need to focus uh, with missions, aviation, like what part of the world that they should really focus on going forward. The other big things that they are praying for is, is that God will continue to bring uh, more aviators, more mechanics to them. I don't know if you've ever heard about missions aviation, but this is particularly for the areas that are hard to reach. So they can go out there, they can bring any resources that are need, any bring the gospel out at the same time. It's a wonderful organization. So that's what we'll be praying for, for Gary and Cynthia. Uh, as far as Travis and Rosie, they are, of course, from our church, and so we get many an update on them. But what they want prayed for is, is that camp is coming to its end at the end of February. So they are very fast at reaching the end of camp, so that comes with it a number of transitions. But there is also a lot of discipleship, one-on-one -on -one discipleship that goes on with their ministry and their church and also with camp that we're going to want to make sure to pray for for them. Then as far as uh, Lois and Paul, uh, they are actually home now, but Paul is doing uh, a fair amount of uh, translation work. What they were doing when they were still in Burkina Faso is they were translating the Bible into the language there. And uh, so he's still doing a fair amount of that work on a part-time basis at home. So we're going to want to continue to pray for him as he does that work. Uh, they are nearing the end of the New Testament now. And this has been years and years and years of work. And so we want to continue to pray for this last little bit that they can get that done. Also, uh, they're home now, but they still have a house that has some things in Burkina Faso that they're going to be needing to deal with. But Burkina Faso is also uh, a dangerous place these days. And so uh, pray for them as they figure that out. And INP, we're using those initials so we don't say their name. They are working at church planting in Winnipeg amongst uh, Arabic-speaking populations there. And so we want to pray as they continue to do that, continue to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, continue to spread the gospel amongst uh, the large number of Arabic-speaking people that are in Winnipeg, uh, coming from the various refugee events and many other things as well. So these are 
the four missionary families that we are going to be praying for this morning. Uh, but on top of that, we also have a few other things that we want to pray for as well. We want to continue to pray for Sheldon as he has recently had a stroke this past week, uh, but he is doing remarkably better. Uh, me and the deacons were there this week to pray for him and to see just how, fire, how on fire he is for the Lord even now. It is, it is an amazing thing. And so we want to praise the Lord that he is doing so well, but also continue to pray for healing also. Uh, and then we also want to pray uh, for Jeff Thiessen. He is having a surgery on Tuesday, so we want to pray that that surgery goes well and that he heals up right as rain. So, let's go now into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning, first off, with the church at large in our minds, with the EMC in our minds, with our missionaries on our hearts. Lord, we thank you for all of the ways that you have worked through our conference and our missionaries over the decades gone by. We thank you for all of the ways that we have seen your kingdom built as a direct result. Lord, we thank you so much that we can continue seeing that today also. Lord, we know that there are many missionaries in our conference, but today we want to pray just for these four, these four couples. And God, we want to thank you for how you have worked through them over their careers. And we want to thank you for how you will continue to work through them. And Lord, we look forward to hearing the stories. God, we want to bring before you this morning Gary and Cynthia. Lord, we thank you for the work that they are doing now with Moody. God, we pray as Moody operates that they know exactly where it is, that they can feel your leading as far as what regions they should focus the most on next. They have limited resources, but the demand is so big. And so, God, we pray, guide them. God, we pray, bless them. God, we pray, work through them in amazing ways like you have before. And we look forward to seeing how you will going forward as well. God, we pray, bring new aviators out, new pilots for whom this is exactly where it is that you are leading them to build your kingdom in this way, one jump at a time. God, we pray, bring out mechanics also, because the planes, unfortunately, don't fix themselves. Lord, we pray, put the infrastructure in place to really bless the regions that they will go out of. And thank you for Gary and Cynthia. God, we pray for Travis and Rosie once again this morning. Lord, we thank you for all the updates that we get about the camp. Lord, we... Thank you for the dedication they have to their Facebook feed and all of the other ways that they get in touch with us to tell us the wonderful stories about what is going on through their ministry there. And we thank you for all of the ways that you have been blessing our way through them. 
And God, as camp comes to an end for this year, we pray, help the wrap-up to go well. Help all the details to fall into place. And God, as they now transition back into pastoral ministry, as well as just that one-on-one discipling that comes throughout the rest of the year, that you will guide them and bless them through it. That you will show them what work needs to be done in order to build new disciples that will follow you. There is a lot of energy that goes into that. There is a lot of heart that goes into that. There is a lot of you that goes into that. So God, we pray, give them what they need. Thank you for Travis and Rosie. God, we pray for Paul and Lois. I thank you that even though they are retired and at home now, they can still work on that New Testament. And I thank you so much that it is nearing its end. God, I look forward to seeing the ways that it helps the people that hold it in their hands. God, we pray that you help them figure out the last of the details as far as their home back in Burkina Faso. And God, we also want to pray just for that country that they have spent so much of their lives in as well. Between the rebels and the uprising, it breaks their heart, and God, we pray for peace there. And Lord, we also pray for the translation work that continues to go on there as well. Lord, we put it all in your hands. We look forward to seeing how you will work. And we thank you for Paul and Lois. And God, we pray for INP. We thank you for the work that they are doing amongst the Arabic-speaking people of Winnipeg. Lord, we pray that you put in their path all of the people that should be in their path to grow these church plants like never before. God, we pray that through their work that we will see the beginning of a new wave of believers, a new wave of churches all praising your name. God, we thank you so much for the hard work that they are doing. We pray a blessing on them. We pray thank you for them as well. Lord, the EMC has many missionaries and we thank you for all of them. These four families we bring before you this morning. And we also want to bring before you Sheldon. God, we thank you for seeing the blessings that you bring closer to home. Lord, we thank you that his stroke has gone the way that it has, as odd as that is to say. We thank you for the healing that you have brought so far. And God, we pray that you continue to bring healing to him as well. We pray particularly for his vision this morning. Lord, there is still a blind spot in how he can see in God that we put before you, that it will continue to heal, that it will continue to clear up, that it will continue to get better. We thank you for the different doctors that you have put in his path so far and how willing they have been to help. 
We thank you for his family and we pray continue to be with them, continue to be with Linda. And Lord, we thank you so much for the witness Sheldon has lived out in praising you so far through all of this also. We pray continue to heal him. And Lord, we want to bring Jeff before you this morning also. Lord, the surgery that is coming up on Tuesday, we want to pray be with the surgeons. We want to pray be with the hospital staff that helps him to heal afterwards. And we want to pray be with him over the weeks to come as healing comes also. Lord, we thank you so much for both of these men. and We put them before you. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning. We thank you for the ways that we have seen you work. And we look forward to seeing the ways you will still. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, our passage today as you heard, was the transfiguration. And it is an important passage for a number of reasons, but I think this morning it's an important passage that we cover after the last few months in particular. The last few months we've gone through Advent, a time looking forward to the birth of Christ. Then we went through Christmas where we see Jesus born, a human birth the same as all of us. After that, we see John the Baptist and how excited he is that the Messiah, like a new Moses, a new Joshua, has come. And then, in the last couple weeks, we have seen Jesus start his ministry of building the kingdom of heaven, and there we see the great teacher that he is. And these are all wonderful things that we have learned. Each one of them can change you in amazing ways. But there's also a problem that comes with focusing just on these particular things. We'll get to it in a bit. But this passage is a good way of addressing that. So if you have your Bibles on you, Matthew 17, verses 1 to 9. Matthew 17, verses 1 to 9. And there we see the transfiguration. And I can't help myself. I am going to go through it. And it'll be your third time this morning. But it is that wonderful. And I particularly like to picture it in my own mind as I go through it also. Because we're told in the beginning of it that the disciples and Jesus, they climb up not just a mountain, but they climb up a high mountain. And Israel is a place where that actually means something. I know that we like to think that Turtle Mountain is as big as it gets, but I, I'm here to tell you that they do go taller than that. Israel, I think the tallest one you're gonna find is like 1,800 meters or something like that. And so you can imagine that the disciples and Jesus, by the time they get to the top of it, they are probably a bit sweaty and a bit panting. And it is exactly in that just kind of, oof, winded feeling that suddenly light. And Jesus appears changed and his face is shining like the sun. The light coming from him. 
That's important. His face is shining. The light is coming from him. And his clothing becomes dazzling. And dazzling is light, depending upon what translation you're reading. And you can just imagine just how taken aback the disciples are by this. And then suddenly, just when it's just as big as it gets, two men appear before them. Moses and Elijah, two men that have had their own run-ins with God on top of mountains, just like the disciples are now having themselves. Moses, who as I mentioned before, is another of the great messiahs of Scripture, the great Savior. He led his people out of slavery, out of the chains of bondage of Egypt themselves. He led them through the wilderness. And then they come to Mount Sinai where he climbs to the top, and before him he encounters God. He gets the law, and he goes down the mountain to give it to his people. And we are told in that passage that his face also shone. It reflected the glory of God, reflected. Yet the light here, we are told, comes from Jesus himself. And Elijah, the great prophet, Elijah, the one who time and time again did everything that he could to lead his people to turn back to the Lord, Elijah, who when he came before God on top of a mountain, was in a very different state of being. Running for his life, we are told that he was in the pit of the pit. And the Lord came before him in comfort. These two men that represent the Old Testament, they now stand before our God, before Jesus Christ, and they are talking to him as old friends. And then we get one of my favorite instances of Peter in the New Testament. And there's a lot of great ones here. But here, Peter just kind of, he's never one to be comfortable as far as when, you know, there's just nothing going on. You know, you have that friend that just can't ever be in a quiet room without saying some things. That's Peter. And he's like, ah, why don't I build us a shelter? We're going to spend the night. We're going to tell all these wonderful stories. It'll just, what stories they'll be? Here I might be reading a little bit of my own into it, but they just kind of, I love Peter here. But suddenly there comes a voice from the heavens. This is my son. The disciples fall on their faces because they know they are in this holy place. They know they are before God. Listen to him. And after a while, Jesus comes to the disciples, lifts them up. Don't be afraid. He comforts them, just as he comforted Elijah millennia before. And he leads them down the mountain. Don't tell anybody about this until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And our Savior lives, for we have known this story for 2,000 years. This is a great passage for us to cover, particularly after the last few months of the church calendar, because the last few months of the church calendar, as I said, they have us focusing first on Advent and then on Christmas, where Jesus is born a human birth, and then on how he is the Messiah, just the better version of Moses and Joshua. Not the better, but 
and then how he is this great teacher. These are all true things. They are all wonderful things. But we've all been born with a human birth. There have been other human messiahs. And there have been the most magnificent of teachers. And I know that because a fair chunk of you are in the congregation this morning. And so over the last few months, we kind of do this wonderful thing where we really focus and hammer down on the humanity of Jesus. And that is an absolutely wonderful thing to do because that is something we absolutely need to do because it is one of the wonderful things about our God that God would come and he would choose to be born human just like us so that by having a relationship with him, we can know God That is an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. But it can also run the risk that we focus on the humanity of our Lord to the extent that we forget or downplay exactly what we see of him in our passage today. That our Lord Jesus is also the same God whose light Moses shone around him 2,000 years ago, reflected and who comforted Elijah when he was at the lowest point. Our Lord Jesus, who is fully human, is also this These are two things that should never be separated fully from each other when we talk about Jesus. For he is fully human. He's also fully God. And if we forget that, and we focus purely on the human, we lose a couple things, some very important things. One of the things that we lose is the most obvious is We lose, I mean, salvation itself is one of the things. That's a pretty big one. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, if the son of God is not God himself but is just some dude, well, does that particularly follow through? No, it doesn't. If there is no divinity to Christ, there is no salvation through him. And so thank the Lord that the transfiguration happened to see that this is our God as well. But here, there's also another couple issues with if Jesus was just a man and not God that I want to talk about for the next little bit. And here, I'm going to apologize right off the hop. This is going to sound a little rambling what is going to come. And it's because I've been struggling with this over the last couple. I've talked to a couple of you with this. Over the last couple years, I've had a number of friends that have left the faith. Some rather recently. And I've been struggling with how to think of that, right? These are people that I have known since I was in high school or since I was in college. 
these are people that these are people that were the, the strong Christian influences on me. These were people that kicked me in the butt and told me to go back to church when I'd rather sleep in during college and afterward. These were people that were missionaries themselves and were strong in their faith. I'd say stronger in their faith than I ever felt I was. And then, I mean, there's always straws that break the camel's back, not just a straw, but in their case, it was what was with their churches in the pandemic. They were raised to believe in loving your neighbor, and they didn't see that. They were raised to believe that to be Christian is to stand up for those that need to be stood up for, and what they heard the loudest was just that their church was complaining about how they were being treated, and regardless of any good points there one way or the other, or bad points there one way or the other, that was what did it. And the weirdest thing happened in that I've had the same conversation with a couple of them now, where they're like, don't worry, we'll still raise our children to like, we'll teach them what Jesus taught because he's a great teacher. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. Read the Gospels sometimes. Jesus has very solid things that he teaches. We'd expect no less from, you know, the Son of God. We'll still teach him these things, but just without the divinity, just without the church. The church has all of this baggage, so why, why would we have the baggage? And if you do away with the divinity of Christ, you can do away with the church. Christ spends a lot of time talking about how, you know, the church is important, but make him just a moral teacher. You can pick and choose what you will. teach our kids how we think they should be moral. We'll teach them how we think Jesus says you should be ethical, but we'll just get rid of all of the rest of it. Who here has ever heard the phrase, God is dead and it's us that killed him? I think I said that wrong. Put your hand up if you've ever heard that one. Anybody know who said that? All right. I am going to butcher the last name. That was the main reason I asked, actually, because I wanted to know how you were going to say it. And then I was just going to go with that, so I sounded smart. It was Frederick Nietzsche? Nietzsche? My German grandparents would be most disappointed in me on that one. That is a phrase that is almost always... Uh, misconstrued, almost always. It is used to say something that it doesn't. It's almost always a phrase that is used to be like, God's not dead, just look at this Kevin Sorbo movie. And Nietzsche isn't saying anything there about whether or not God exists or not. What he's saying there is that there was a time that when it came to what it meant to act ethically, 
we would always default to the God told us to do this, right? God was the backing of our ethics, which meant that, you know, if you made decisions that disagreed with that, like, you could still do that, but at the same time, like, God told you not to, so there was always that pulling you back, pulling you back to kind of this rock that was, that all the rest of ethics was built on. It was this, well, you're going to disagree with God told you to do this. But then a couple hundred years ago, then that started to change, and as a society, we decided instead that it was going to be us that was going to be the ultimate, this is how we act. It was going to be us that was going to be the people that actually make that, that decision for how you should live. We were no longer basing all of our ethics on God told us to do, but instead, I think I will do this instead. That might be a terrible summation, but that's far closer to what that phrase is all about than how it often gets used. And he laments that. When he says God's dead and it's us that killed him, he's not saying that as a thing of praise. He's saying that as a lament. He's saying that as a lament because if it's God that is underpinning why we should live, it's his teachings and it's, from on high, that this is why you live this way, then it's a whole lot harder to just throw it away if you don't like it. God teaches us, love your neighbor as yourself. God teaches us, be a peacemaker. God teaches us, that people have value inherent in who they are. That is creation right there. That's the Sermon on the Mount right there. God teaches us how we should be to others in love. But here's the thing. When we're doing all of these things, it's not like the people we're relating to ever stop being people, which means that the people we're relating to are very capable of being just terrible people. But if it's God who's backing why you're doing all of these things, then it doesn't change the fact that that's what God is telling you to do, even if you really don't want to, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's an easy thing to say that we want to do, but what if your neighbor's just being the worst? How easy is it to just dismiss that if it's ourselves that are backing it? And treat them in a way that is profoundly unloving as a result. Don't get me wrong, Christians are still fully capable of treating their neighbors in terrible ways. You have God to answer to then. If it's on your own, then, well, how about another one? All human beings have value. You are loved by God. 
you when you were in the lowest part of your life, just as Elijah was. It's all good to say that you believe all human beings have value, but it's so much easier to just ignore that when you are in the darkest of depths, if it is just you that is saying it to yourself, as compared to if it is God from on high who is teaching it. I'm not saying here that atheists or agnostics can't be ethical people, that can't be moral people. I think we all know enough atheists. We all know enough agnostic people that are fully ethical and fully moral people to say that that is obviously a dumb statement, right? I mean, all of my friends who have left the church are a great example. What I'm wondering is, is God is the backing of your morality, then doesn't bend nearly as easily as if we are backing ourselves. I think I've seen that too. This is just a certain amount of my own lamentations that I'm thinking through with you the morning. It'll sound weird to you, but somehow when I'm standing up here talking to you all, puts my mind at ease in a way that I can think through things in a way that normally I wouldn't. Thank you. In the Transfiguration, we see our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is not just person. He is also God. And what that means is that as we follow him, we're not just following a person. We are following God. And that adds a lot of gravity to what we're doing, doesn't it? Also adds a lot of responsibility to everything, doesn't it? I mean, what that means is that when we live according to how Jesus leads us, how he teaches us, we're not just leading according to some man. We are living in a way that we're saying this is how God himself teaches us to live. And what that means also is that then when we don't live up to that, We're still calling ourselves Christian even though we live in a way that is profoundly unchristian. Won't the whole world look at us and be like, well, Christians are clearly hypocrites, aren't they? I mean, that's clearly what the last three years showed my friends anyway. I think that means something. I think that calls us to something. I think that calls us to remember that to follow our Lord means that we need to care about following our Lord. To follow our Lord means that we need to, when we mess up, and we will mess up, the church is filled with 
you know, saints and sinners striving to be saints and saints striving to be sinners as well. But when we do mess up, it's on us to come before our God and ask, are we living in a way that's in line with what it is that we are saying God is teaching us to do? And if it's not, to ask ourselves, what are the 100 different little things that will get us back on track are, and then do them. Because if we don't, then we find ourselves in this place where we are saying we are living in line with a man that is God himself, and then we are doing anything but. And that is not a place to be. And so that's what I want to bring before you this morning. There are real consequences that come from Christians not living as we are called to. Friends will leave because of it. The world around us will become hurt because of it. And so this week I want you in prayer to ask God to examine yourself. Ask that tough question of, am I living in the ways that are in line with what I say I believe? And if they aren't, then just ask yourself, what are the ways that you need to change to get there? That might seem like an impossibly hard thing to do or an impossibly big thing or an impossibly scary thing, but it's done to follow the same God who is the God of creation. Same God who is the God who Moses reflected his light to. The same God who comforted Elijah and the same God who took the hands of the disciples, led them up the mountain to see this glory and then led them back down into the world to live out the rest of their lives with this wonderful revelation as well. Amen. closing song will be in Christ alone and it's a song really rich in words and rich in meaning and as we sing it together to close I trust that you'll just really uh, take in these words and believe them and be able to claim them as your own um, stand if you're able to sing
Just another reminder, next Sunday in the evening, there is going to be loud music night. Get the word out there. Invite your friends. It's going to be a great time. All right. Our benediction today comes from the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. Go now and serve our God. Thank you.